Yes, yes, yes. Give me love. Indeed. Indeed. Ladies and gentlemen, looking around our country and the world right now, we see conflict and polarization. Our hearts and prayers are with those suffering from the impacts of the war in Ukraine. Watching cable news doesn't yield clarity on the facts, nor help soothe the unsettledness. The band band central strategy for coping with this unease is to discipline ourselves to look at what can we do in our families and our communities to make the world a better place. When the big picture macro perspective seems broken and without hope, we focus on the neighborhood micro perspective. So what what does that mean? At Band Central, we do this in three steps. First, we focus on having fun by making and enjoying music. Band Central is a movement built around sharing joy and having fun where we visualize social activism as a joy, not a duty, and care for our own needs while helping others. Second, we focus on purpose by using our talent and influence to help people and families in need. Musicians perform music with purpose rather than just, you know, music to sell beer. And we harness a team and volunteers with many different talents that come together to raise awareness and raise critical funds for important causes. Third, we focus on attraction rather than ambition to build a network of support. Through exchanging positive energy, we can improve our health, wealth, and relationships. By being kind and heart-centered, we attract nonprofits, musicians, volunteers, donors, sponsors, media, and audience members that resonate with this feeling, and everyone transcends. So there it is, the band central model of social activism, which brings a mind a quote from a Bengali poet that I'm going to need help pronouncing the name of, Rabindrath Tagore, that a friend recently shared with me. Quote, I slept and dreamt that life was joy. I awoke and saw that life was service. I acted and behold, service was joy. End quote. I'm Rob Freed, and welcome to Band Central Radio, where we broadcast from 12 to 1, the fourth Monday of every month here on WPKN and on your audio device of choice anytime you want to listen via WPKN podcasts and on the podcast app. This is a show where we reach into the nonprofit community. We get executive directors to come on, talk about their mission. Local musicians get to come on and talk about their music and the local scene. We call it fun philanthropy, where philanthropy meets music and fun. What could be better than that? We got a great show over the next 55 minutes with singer-songwriter Lindsay Stone here in the studio. Hey, Lindsay. Hey, Rob. For an interview and to perform a song. And Deb Greenwood from the Center for Family Justice, who will be joining us later in the show. We also have WPKN General Manager Steve DiCostanza here in the studio. Hey, Steve. Rob, it's uh, good to be here. Thank you. And Paula Murphy, my dear friend and Band Central's Director of Operations. Hi, Paula. Hello there. Great to be here. Good. Hey, Steve. Look, at this is our second time broadcasting together in this new WPKN space, and it, it, it is gorgeous. It, and it, I got to say, it's exciting, isn't it? It's exciting. Yeah. And I got to say, you make a strong cup of coffee. Any, <laughs> That's right. anyone, it, it, any, <laughs> even the coffee is transcending. It is. Any, anybody who comes for a visit and drinks the coffee should be prepared to perspire <laughs> and chew on their tongue, which is I am, what I am doing right now. So today is February 28th. It marks the last day of Black History Month. Yeah. Though, what a though, month. Though in reality, it doesn't end. Correct. But, yeah. but, but tell, us, tell us a little bit about the ways WPKN has brought Black History into month into focus. Well, it was a jam-packed month for sure. The first thing we did was put together an advisory committee 
of some of the black leaders, uh, thought uh, leaders, influencers in Bridgeport. And it's a really wonderful group of individuals, about 10 in, in total. We uh, had uh, about... Yeah, I was on that committee. You were on that committee, yes, exactly. And and uh, Ebang Udoma was our uh, uh, WPKN uh, representative. And uh, we had a number of uh, musical events. We had uh, more than 50... Uh, uh, films, concerts, uh, some music interviews, speeches, radio programs. Maybe you heard the Peter Tosh uh, event over the weekend. But we also had uh, Bridgeport This Is Us, a celebration of African-American musicians during the ice storm a couple weeks ago. Funk night that sold out. Uh, three Connecticut top bands. We did something in Westport. Uh, the main bulk of the films will continue, as as you mentioned. I mean, you know, we black history is always part of uh, WPKN's programming. But uh, because of the COVID issue, we decided to push back all the films uh, to June because uh, Juneteenth is uh, going to be celebrated. We're actually going to be doing a lot of things on the 10th, 11th, and 12th in June for some free films that deal with uh, uh, black-focused um, uh, issues. That's great. And I know we were able to actually get a, some coordination going with the Bridgeport Public Schools through Sarah yeah, Jane Henry, that's right. where we had students created combined poetry and music into these short snippets and we've been playing those all month tell us tell us about that and it seems like a great way to get next gener geners involved yeah. with wpkn here. well it grew out of uh, i think your show right uh one of the band central shows and we had sarah jane on and she right. was you know running that uh, after school program called fame and uh, we reached out and uh, she had said that uh, the music, some of the music programs at the high school level uh, were doing these collages. And uh, we thought, well, what a great idea. I mean, you and I, we talked about how, how much fun it would be to have some of these uh, collages from next generation or bridge porters uh, from different high schools. And uh, I guess along the same lines, we, uh, we had a chance to broadcast or a, a recording. We recorded and then we played it back of the high school debate that took place at the Bijou Theater, which was, um, uh, it was pretty much about, um, you know, uh, Civil disobedience and Black Lives Matters, and you know it was very a cool. very interesting uh, debate, and so well, that was something else that we wanted to bring to the airwaves. And, and again, uh, being cognizant of uh, next generation of of programmers, listeners. Etc. Well, we look forward to doing more in partnership with Bridgeport Public Schools, particularly as it regards using this wonderful studio here at WPKN for after-school programming. Uh, mention um, this Saturday, March fifth, we've got something very important happening for WPKN: the Music Mash. It's Tell our, us a little about that. Well, it's our biggest fundraiser. We're back after two years of uh, you know this COVID vacation. Uh, it, it, we're looking forward to it. It's. Uh, We'll see how it all goes. We've got a good uh, sell-through of our uh, tables of vendors and dealers of uh, LPs and 45s and music memorabilia. It's Music Mash Record Fair. It's going to be at uh, Reed's Art Space. That's 1042 Broad Street, uh, Bridgeport. starts early, 8, and goes all the way till 6. WPKN programmers will be spinning music, and it's family-friendly. Uh, it's going to be uh, mask optional, so that's kind of the way we're going to be uh, proceeding. I know that a lot of people had questions about that. So uh, it's Saturday, March 5th. That sounds great. Let's take a short break and listen to the premiere of Sitting, a song by our next guest, Lindsay Stone. We'll be right back. Just for 
Whoa, whoa, whoa. You are listening to WPKN 89.5 and, 80, and WPKN.org. And this is Band Central Radio. I'm Rob Freed. We will ask Lindsay about the backstory on that wonderful song we just listened to sitting in a minute. But first, let me update you on Band Central. So Band Central is... A fund, foundation, but it's also a group of musicians, and we're creating an exciting uh, 2022 tour of theme concerts to help local nonprofits. And what these events do is they empower the nonprofits, donors, musicians, and audiences to give generously through live music while having a fun time. Our 2022 tour will feature some amazing musicians, Gabrielle Lakshmi, Joe Gray, John Torres, Crispin Seo, Bill Carbone, Jean-Marie Rivera, Cyrus Madden, Tommy Weeks, Anthony David, Eric Cal, Pat Marafiotti, and more. And we're going to be performing some amazing shows. We're, uh, we're going to be doing um, a disco show. Right on. We're going to be doing songs of the 60s. And we're going to be doing some rhythm and blues and a show called Cruise to Paradise. And uh, we're going to be doing that for some amazing nonprofits like um, Operation Hope, New Canaan Mounted Troop, Wolfgang and Company, Siri, the Sterling House, Cardinal Sheehan Center, Mission, Self, CLASP, Children's Learning Centers, Center for Family Justice, the Maritime Aquarium, Common Ground, and our very own WPKN here. So we are ready to continue uh, to help local nonprofits and musicians do as well as they can. Here's some upcoming dates. May 19th, Operation Hope, Disco Show at the Longshore. May 20th, New Canaan Mounted Troop at uh, Disco at the Weeburn Beach Club. Um, June 2nd, Wolfgang. We're going to be doing the 60s show at the Park City Music Hall. Friday, uh, June 3rd, Siri, the 60s show right here at the Knowlton in Bridgeport. June 10th, for the Cardinal Sheehan Center, we'll be playing songs of the past, present, and future right at the uh, park and grounds of the Cardinal Sheehan Center. And then again on June 11th, we'll be playing uh, for Sterling House, a rock show at the Shakespeare grounds in Stratford. So you can visit Experience Band Central to sign up for our monthly newsletter update, our tour dates, follow us on Facebook. And you can also check out our website at experiencebandcentral.com. Um, you know, I can also update you on some cool music. You know, I play bass and sing in some groups and have a bunch of upcoming dates as as live music is getting back for the spring. So you can check out robfreedmusic.com for that schedule. And uh, also have some cool shows coming up with the Connecticut Grateful Dead All-Stars. Um, so check all that out. It is now with great pleasure here on WPKN 89.5 FM that I reintroduce Lindsay Stone, whose new song, Sitting, we just played at the last break. Lindsay is from Reading and uh, here in Connecticut. She started playing classical violin at the age of seven. And then while at Skidmore College, where she received her Bachelor's of Arts degree, she became interested in experimental singer-songwriters and started performing on guitar and vocals at open mics. So after college, she moved to Northern California, where she studied farming and yoga and refined her musical voice. And with regard to her sound, she states, quote, I can't separate my classical training from the way I write on guitar. 
Intricacy and precision were trained into my hands, and my mind was taught in orchestras to listen deeply to tone dynamics blending and arc. End quote. Currently, she is in the process of releasing singles until her next album is complete, and we just listened to the premiere of Sitting, a song inspired by her meditation practice. Lindsay, welcome. Thanks so much, Rob. Yeah. Hey, why did you why did you choose guitar and voice? I was ready for the next um, iteration of my self-expression. Like you mentioned, classical violin was where my musical love was born, and it gave me so much. And at a certain point, I felt that the um, kind of perfectionism and exactitude <laughs> that it required was um, not speaking to my whole being. I felt there were parts of me, maybe the more human parts, the messier parts that wanted to be seen. Mm. And uh, after a really nerve wracking classical performance in college, I decided to switch gears. I, I needed to feel freer. So I started playing violin in a folk group with two close friends. And in that group, we also all sang like three part harmonies. Yeah. I really fell in love with my voice and I borrowed a guitar from my parents who are both singer songwriters and musicians and um, I started accompanying my own voice and I, I felt something click the first time I got on stage to play a cover. And when when you were just starting picking mm -hmm. up the guitar and the voice, wh who were your musical influences? I was really inspired by um, singer songwriters in the folk world, such as Anais Mitchell, um, Gregory Allen Isakoff, Laura Marling, Andrew Bird, who incorporated a lot of classical um, violin into his music as well. And then some of the older folks that I, I grew up listening to, like the Beatles and Joni Mitchell, um, even Led Zeppelin. I, I was really inspired by the songwriting arcs in, the, in their music as well. Yeah, yeah. There's, there's, there's some nice drones in Led Zeppelin mm. that can really apply to like drop D tuning and some of the drones that sure. we, you know, we would use Open as singer-songwriters. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, moving to like today, mm -hmm. what, what is inspiring you as a as a singer-songwriter, as a communicator. Mm. What, 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 tell us about that. Inspiration seems to have a lot of facets to me. First and foremost, I have to really spend time with my well-being through like nature, meditation, yoga, to feel um, well and connected. And then from there, I can really start to tune into what I want to communicate. Um, there's so many things about our planet and our people that um, call for... It just calls for presence and um, change. And so from there, I, I start to kind of tune into what other people are singing and writing about as well. Of course, it's very inspiring to hear other vocalists really, really express and really use their instrument in their body. So that will bring me to have more courage to use mine. And then it's my internal life experiences, um, my inner world that I start to write about and piece through. And then, and you know, and... I hear something very orchestral about sitting. Mm. And so while you had to move away from the classical genre to experience something more free form and messy, as you described, the messier part of yourself, you've also seems like found a way to to also then incorporate your classical background as well now. That's right. I put my, I record my own violin on my tracks and I also work with a, a cellist who does arrangements on my songs. And I, I think it's gorgeous to, to bring orchestral sounds into folk music or any genre. <laughs> oh, so cool. Uh, we're listening to Lindsay Stone. I don't know. What, what did that, what did you think of that song, Paula? I found that song sitting absolutely beautiful, not just the music, but also the lyrics and when you were talking about your inspiration, I could see that it was truly something that came from the heart. That was beautiful. Thank you so much. I know. I tried to signal you while you were listening and your eyes were closed. <laughs> you were you had taken off. Paula. Yeah, I just thought it was beautiful. Yeah. I mean, I felt that I could relate to that. I felt that we need to take self-care and I felt that helps us become better people and be able to help others. Mm -hmm. And Rob, that kind of comes back to Band Central and what we're doing. Mm. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. um, we're we're talking with Lindsay Stone, singer songwriter um, from Reading, Connecticut, here on uh, Band Central Radio eighty nine point five FM WPKN. Um, 
So we just listened to a single, but, you know, tell us a little bit about what the project is that you're doing. You're trying to accumulate songs and you're, um, you know, what should our listeners know about you? Hmm. So this this album is is going to be my first full length album. Um, I'm currently recording it in Brooklyn, New York, and it's about halfway underway. And what they should know is, yeah, kind of more about what Paula was just pointing to. Um, this this album has a lot to do with the merging of where um, personal transformation and collective transformation, well, where they meet, where they merge. Um, I think it's crucial. And so a lot of my songs have to do with that kind of my own working through of my mm, questions and issues and dreams. And um, the music's going to be in the folk rock genre. They're going to be plenty of beautiful musicians um, putting their their love into it. So, um, yeah, with with some, you know, very thoughtful, deep lyrical content and mm-hmm. um and and a lot of vulnerability, you know, your music, you're putting it out there. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I don't have a choice, but I'm honored to be doing it regardless. And we're grateful that you are. <laughs> Thank yeah, you certainly, uh, certainly you wouldn't necessarily know you were listening to a 20 something when you uh, <laughs> listen to the maturity yeah, beautiful um, voice. Beautiful. coming out of uh, both 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 her her emotional expression, but also just her music and uh, how, how settled in the, meaning. in the meaning and how calming it is. Mm-hmm. Um, tell us a little bit about where our listeners can find you and, um, you know, that type of thing. I have my music that I've released so far on all of the streaming platforms, whether you use like Amazon or Spotify or Apple. Um, I released an album in 2019. It was more short form, like an EP so that can be found anywhere. And, you know, there's the ways to freely stream my music and then there are the ways to support me directly. So um, I have a band camp and I also have a Patreon, which is a membership platform where fans and friends can kind of donate a little bit of money in exchange for like exclusive content about my process and my background and little demos um, the first thing that's important to know is the spelling of my name, which is <laughs> a blessing and a curse. <laughs> Love you, mom and dad. Mm-hmm. Um, it's L Y N D S A Y. And so my website is lindsaystone.com and on all the streaming platforms, including YouTube, where I have music videos, including one for sitting, which you just heard. Um, you can just look up Lindsay Stone. And that's where you'll find me on Instagram and Facebook as well. So, And Lindsay, I can absolutely relate to that with a name like Paola, P-A-O-L-A. I can get the L-Y-N-D-S-A-Y. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Thanks for recognizing empathy. that. Hey, you want to yeah. grab a guitar and we'll just uh, perform something? Yeah, absolutely. So I think we're going to do, um, we're going to play Time After Time, inspired by Cindy Lauper, but of course, Lindsay's arrangement. And we'll see what that ends up being. I am going to grab my little... Longhorn bass, and Lindsay is playing a wonderful acoustic guitar. Here, hang on. Let's get this together. Oh, yeah. Hear that drop D. (laughs) Exactly. Okay. And you said 
back with news of the benevolent. I am Rob Freed. Welcome back. That was nice, wasn't it, Rob? That, that was, was very nice. That was. You're uh, listening to Band Central Radio here on WPKN 89.5 FM. We hope you're having a happy Monday, whether you're uh, having a little lunch or driving on I-95 or doing whatever you're doing. Um, we need to get Deb in here. So uh, now for a segment we call News of the Benevolent, which is an almost copyrighted feature of this program that spotlights causes and happenings in our community toward making the world a better place. This information is gathered by our friends at Fairfield County's Community Foundation, particularly my good friend Karen Brown at FCCF, and that's where the Band Central Fund is located. Dateline, Norwalk, FCCF's college scholarship application season has started. If you don't know, FCCF is a major scholarship provider awarding $1 million in college scholarships each year to students across Fairfield County. There is a special focus on students from the greater Bridgeport region. So you can visit the foundation's website at www.fccfoundation.org for more information. And you need to know applications are open now and it closes at the end of March. So these scholarships are competitive and many have subject matters and And they focus on the towns of Bridgeport, Stratford, Fairfield, Westport, Easton, Trumbull, Monroe, Shelton, and Milford. And there are also designated scholarships in many Fairfield uh, County towns that are only available through guidance counselors. Um, That's pretty cool, huh? Paula? That is amazing, and I really encourage people to take this opportunity. It's money out there on the table, and we'd love to have people use that. Yeah, I mean, you know, a million dollars in college scholarships to students in Fairfield County, that that could be big time. Dateline, Bridgeport, FCCF's Fund for Women and Girls is thrilled to announce that Anita Hill, remember her? Oh, yes. Will be their keynote speaker at their luncheon event on Friday, April 22nd. And the theme of the event is Dream, Believe, Achieve. Some nice alliteration there. Uh, The Fund for Women and Girls supports a portfolio of amazing nonprofits here in Fairfield County serving women and girls. Their flagship initiative here in Bridgeport, the Emmy Coalition, is housed at Optimus Healthcare in Bridgeport. And the Emmy Coalition provides a suite of services for women and girls in Bridgeport. And Rob... 
If someone wants to learn a little more about this, where can they go? They, you know, again, I think they'd go to uh, the Fairfield County Community Foundation website. Right. It's going to be front and center right there. And uh, an important Dateline, Norwalk, Connecticut, again, last Thursday, Fairfield County's Giving Day was a rousing success, raising $2.2 million for over 400 nonprofits. You have to repeat that. That's raising $2.2 million for over 400 local nonprofits. Nearly 1,300 people rallied to make these gifts happen. And the event has now raised $14 million since 2014. Wow. So, hey, we had a prize, the Band Central Prize. It was won by Adoption Hope Foundation. And uh, we look forward to partnering with them on a live Band Central performance soon. Cool, huh? Thank you, FCCF, for News of the Benevolent. Joining us now is a special guest, Deb Greenwood from the Center for Family Justice. I have produced and performed at many of the galas and events to help Center for Family Justice raise funds over the past 12 years. And Deb Greenwood and I have become good friends. I've worked probably over the last 20 years with two dozen local nonprofits with with Band Central. And I can tell you that Deb and her team at the Center for Family Justice are super capable people and at the top of the pack when it comes to getting things done. Prior to joining Center for Family Justice 14 years ago, Deb was the CEO at various YMCAs in the region. So she has extensive experience in really in all aspects of running a business and developing programs to serve the community, which is, you know, what YMCAs do. But, you know, today, Paula, is not just another interview. You know, domestic and sexual violence has increased during the pandemic. And we want to discuss what Center for Family Justice is doing right here in our community to help families in dire need. Um, Deb, welcome. Thanks for having me. Oh, Always it's great to see you, Rob. Pleasure, pleasure. So I know I just read a little bit about you, but, you know, tell tell us just a little bit more about yourself in terms of... You know, in um, particular, one of the things that I think is always very interesting to learn from our nonprofit leaders is how they became inspired and how you be, get, gained this passion for what you do. So thank you for asking. That's a, a great question that um, I live with every single day. Um, I had the honor and humbling experience to be able to lead the Center for Family Justice. And after a, a wonderful career with the YMCA of the USA and local uh, YMCAs in Connecticut, the one thing that I learned a lot about was uh, helping support youth and families. And, you know, you... What, you, what families? A, a lot of youth and a lot of families okay. in, in um, lower Fairfield County, as well as across the state. And I also worked for the National YMCA of the USA, helping support... Uh, those that had uh, children with disabilities or they themselves, adults that had disabilities. And you'd listen to stories. And the one thing that inspired me was listening to someone who did not know where to go for help that was experiencing abuse or they didn't even realize that they were a victim of abuse. And um, in 2007, the opportunity uh, became available to uh, look for the next chapter in in my career. Uh, I wasn't done. I wasn't ready to retire. And um was your, was your husband ready to retire? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he might have been. And he thought, no, well, you know, you should follow your passion. And I talk about the stories that kids and the families would have, whether it was a swim team or before and after school, summer camp, and the list goes on. And listening to individuals talk about what might be happening uh, in, in behind the closed door uh, really got me interested. And I used to work very closely with the organization I now lead when we would, uh, as mandated reporters, find a child that would disclose that uh, they were being either sexually assaulted or physically, emotionally abused or their or their parent uh, was being abused. And they were a great resource for us at the YMCA. 
So I got trained in anything mm-hmm. that they had to offer. And lo and behold, um, in 2007, when I interviewed uh, for this position, I remember being asked the question, well, are you a social worker? And I said, no, but I know how to lead a team and I understand nonprofit management, but I know how to mobilize a community. And this is an issue that is is very important to especially kids and a, anyone being a victim of abuse and how to move forward in their life and become a survivor. You know, one thing I find fascinating about the Center for Family Justice is it's not just another women's center because of the way that you're connected with the legal system, um, the police. Could you explain a little bit about, because that that is a pretty revolutionary how integrated um, Center for Family Justice is. Sure. Um, So... You know, I came from the world of the national why, and we always ask the question, what is best practice on running this program, that program? And it was part of the culture that I came from and a lot of the leadership skills that I learned and had the opportunity to bring to the center. So I asked that question and couldn't get a straight answer from anyone because there wasn't one. So we did a very thorough peel back the onion with the Harvard Business School and community partners who came in and did a pro bono evaluation to help answer the question. Um, They helped us identify what a family justice center was in San Diego, California that started in 2002. So we went out, we took a look, we collected as much information as we could, and uh, the journey began uh, for us here in Bridgeport, Connecticut, to see if we could transform our agency into what best practices is under one roof, bringing every resource that a victim of abuse uh, needed. And the question came to lots of focus groups saying, Um, I know what we do well for you. What is it we're not doing? What else can we do for you? So part of a family justice center is to bring law enforcement, legal support, support for children, uh, and so forth and so on, and and go uh, well beyond the crisis of the 24-7 hotline and getting someone into a domestic violence safe house. But what happens after that? And that was the piece that we understood and learned that um, a victim of abuse will go through the cycle of abuse seven to 10 times. We want to give them everything they need when they come through that door immediately and really bring that resource that's free and confidential. And it's different for many, but it's also the same for most. So um, it took us a couple of years to uh, transform our building, raise enough uh, proceeds to make sure we could do that, and then to measure our success and our impact to make sure a victim became a survivor. And we followed the model that started in 2002 and brought it to Connecticut and been supporting other parts of our state to do the same thing. Well, that's great. Um, We're listening to Deb Greenwood, the CEO of the Center for Family Justice here in Bridgeport. And you are listening to Band Central Radio and WPKN. You know, one of the things that I've become aware of, partly because my daughter Sarah has undertaken it, is how good the training is that you provide to people Um, This could even be something that people who are listening might be interested in. Um, There's a training program that you offer in how to become a crisis navigator, how to support people. Could you talk a little bit about that? I'd be happy to. And because it's a little bit toward, you know, how can people get involved? How can people help the center? How can people be involved in this movement? And. And and thank you for bringing that up, Robin. Um, The crisis navigators are the individuals that have taken a 40-hour certification, and um, it it is approved by the state of Connecticut. Um, What that does is it teaches the individual how to work and be trauma-informed with a victim when they call the hotline or they come through the doors. What are those resources? What does the intake mean? Um, when Jane Doe or John Smith comes through the door and they need support, how to react with them, how to get them the support they need right right off the bat. The hardest thing for a victim to do is come through the doors or pick the phone up and, and ask for help. So it's 40 hours of uh, learning about how to work with the legal system, how to work with the judicial system in our courts, how to work with law enforcement. Uh, we have the best of the best that provide those hours of certification uh, here in, uh, in the state of Connecticut uh, under the direction of our uh, community education task force team. And I'm very happy to say they've been with, they were there when I got there and they are still there uh, learning about new trends and things that are happening 
happening? What are the issues that are happening right in our own backyards uh, as we talk about trafficking and sex yeah. trafficking? Yeah, this sounds, it sounds like this is an opportunity for you to help people, but for people also to gain some experience and to help themselves. What are the things that you're looking for most? The number one uh, issue would be for someone that um, is uh, looking to volunteer at the center. Uh, if they if if they wanted to become a crisis navigator and take the certification to work with a client, you must take the forty hour certification. But having volunteers help us do the work we do is critical in almost any nonprofit, not just at the center, but working with victims of abuse, you need a special skill, and they have to come in and understand one thing: you always believe the victim when they call or come in because we're victim advocates. Mm -hmm. So that's the first issue. The second one is that they are feeling uh, passionate about this work. And that's the second piece. And the third is that they're willing to give of themselves in time, but also to be critical to us and say, here's what else I think I can recommend that we have thick skin. We want to know how to do a better job. So those are the three key things when someone would like to get involved at the Center for Family. And, and, and I believe you offer this training twice a year? We've now expanded it to three, and we're looking at doing it four times a year. It's over. Uh, it's actually done virtually now. We learned that through COVID, that uh, people from all over don't have to come in person. They can do it as long as they have a laptop. They can take the 40 hours um, uh on their own laptop uh, and and I would say it's uh, three times a week plus a Saturday uh, you repeat that for two weeks uh, and you complete the 40 hours to keep up the certification it's eight hours a year all right so that that's a little something that mm -hmm. you know people can think about um, a training that might be an investment in yourself and connect you with a real sense of purpose. And the fact so, that you can do it online now, that's a great thing. You don't have to come in, right? Correct. Yeah, exactly. Indeed. So where are we now in our community with domestic violence? Meaning, you know, we've come through this pandemic. Hopefully we're moving from pandemic to endemic, moving on. Where are we now with that? So as we've all learned so much over the last two years uh, of the pandemic, um, it got qu very quiet. Uh, we never stopped uh, with our hotlines that never closed. Our safe house staff continued to keep working throughout. Um, we were in overflow by uh, April of 2020. And what do I mean by that? Um, the hotlines were telling us we had people that needed to stop sheltering with the abusive uh, partner that they were with and you know it people always assume that it's just a husband and wife it could be just two individuals um it could be a mother daughter a father son it it could be um any two individuals uh calling it intimate partner violence where the abuse continued and there was no place to go because people were working from home school was being done online so there was no help that an individual could see and it as must have actually made it worse it did it made it much worse much more volatile um, as we were able to start to move people out of their home into a safe place, we realized our safe houses were at capacity. We couldn't move people out and we had to put them in hotels and we can't staff those. But what we could do is consistently stay in touch with them. So there has been a 25 percent spike because of covid in the greater Bridgeport area uh, across the country, a 40 percent spike. But now we're starting to see those numbers um, kind of level off. But here's what we're dealing with, uh, mental health issues because of the two-year closed down and shut down, uh, substance abuse issues, and working with all of our nonprofit uh resources that are here are critically important, not just to the adult individual, but also the secondary victims, which are the children that were living in these homes. So, so I know you had a great program with camps in the summer. Are you going to be able to bring those back on now? Yes. So we were lucky enough this past summer to not have the same amount of kids, which was about 70 children, uh, go up to Camp High Rock, part of um, our collaboration with the YMCA. But um, we'll now be able to bring those numbers back this summer. Over two weeks, we'll have 70 plus children. Currently, we have a year-long program that's dealing with 170 kids. It's called Pathways to Hope for the kids I just described that have gone through abuse, sexual violence, mental and uh, physical abuse. So they have weekly support group at the center. And Steve, there's another area where we could potentially do something interesting where we could we could have 
campers from Camp Hope who are interested in the arts and broadcasting come here to the WPKN studio and we could do a workshop in broadcasting, voiceover work, being a DJ. Um, yeah, absolutely. You know, similar to what we've been talking yeah. about with the Bridgeport Public Schools, you know? Yeah. And you mentioned Camp High Rock. Yes. Yeah, that's... Yes. Uh, if TJ is listening, I think uh, he would be very happy and have a smile on his face. It's a beautiful place. It's a little part of heaven. And um, and kids would absolutely love to be able to get involved uh, with, with uh, media and radio. So I know one of the... And by the way, we're listening to Deb Greenwood, the CEO of the Center for Family Justice, right here in Bridgeport. Um, <clears throat> tell us about... The Empower House, the the new safe house that the Center for Family Justice is building out. So thank you, Rob. And um, we, uh, you know, it goes back to what what are we not doing right or what's the issue and how do we make it better for victims of abuse? And my staff came to me about three and a half, almost four years ago. And just when we had cut the ribbon and I thought, well, we're a family justice center and we did it and we got Camp Hope and we did it. And they said our safe house was great 22 years ago. The rooms are too small. It's not conducive to what we need. And I took a deep breath and I thought, okay, (laughs) let's attack this um, issue and let's figure out how to do it. Put together a task force of great individuals. Uh, And Rob, you were uh, gracious enough to to join our uh, small and very mighty group to look at where are we going and how do we do this? So as I was mentioning, um, our safe house was, was at full capacity for two years and had people in hotels. We can't and could not continue to do that. It was not safe. So we started looking at how we were going to uh, find a bigger uh, place, um, something that would have under one roof uh, where victims of abuse could get counseling, find out about housing, have computer learning labs where children would have a safe outdoor space and indoor space. So after uh, about two and a half years, our small and mighty group started to raise dollars. Um, we found the right location. I can't disclose the address, but I can say it's in the greater Bridgeport area. Um, it was nonstop. It still is uh, that we continue to look at raising $3.5 million, uh, not just all for the house, but also an endowment to make sure that this beautiful new structure that we are going to begin transforming becomes that empower house for victims of abuse and their children to live in, to get the support they need without having to be transported to a different place where they have to learn about housing and finding jobs and so forth, that we're bringing the resources to this house. So under one roof, when it opens uh, late this fall of 2022, we will be celebrating in Powerhouse. And uh, uh, I want to thank Patty and Alan Masaryk for their leadership, Rob Freed, um, who's here um, with me, as well as uh, Kathy Mayolo, uh, the chairman of the board of directors and uh, the staff team and everyone that is given from $5 to many other $5 to get us to $2.8 million where we are today. How can give us the website handle clearly and slowly so that people can learn about Center for Family Justice, the op- different opportunities to get involved, as well as the Empower House. So uh, if someone would like to get involved with the Center for Family Justice, we have tons of events and opportunities uh, well beyond the 40 hours of certification. And you would go to www.centerforfamilyjustice.org. And the Empower House tagline is empowerhouseproject.org. Thank you very much, Deb Greenwood. And in honor of Black History Month, with today being February 28th, the last day of February, I'd like to play a song that epitomizes the contribution of black musicians to our American culture.
Yeah, here it is. We are listening to People Get Ready, Aretha Franklin. Wow, it's been a great hour. We got some jazz coming up at the top of the hour with Rick Patrone here at WPKN. 89.5 FM, WPKN.org. You're listening to Rob Freed here with Band Central Radio. To uh, sign up for our email list or our newsletter or get a playlist from today's show, please visit experiencebandcentral.com. And I want to give uh, a thank you to my guests here, uh, Deb Greenwood. Thank you, Rob. Thanks for having me, as always. What was your most fun part of the show today, Deb? Uh, being with all of you that are so passionate about the work that we do. Thank you. Oh, cool. And uh, Paula Murphy. Thank you, Rob. It's always a pleasure to be here. And I have to say my highlight today, I have two highlights. One was uh, Lindsay's beautiful song, Sitting and Speaking with Her. It was really inspiring to me. I felt comforted, and I'm going to use this as a pick-me-up. And, Deb, it is always great to see you. What you do is awesome. And I'm so glad that you are not retiring because you got a lot of work, <laughs> and you're doing a great job. Thank you. Thank you. And, uh, Lindsay Stone, thank you for joining us. Thank you so much for having me for my first radio feature. It was such an honor to also share the time with people who are doing such incredible, impactful work. So thank you. And our fearless general manager, Steve DeCostanza. Thank you, Steve. My pleasure, Rob. Um, our next show is Monday, the March 28th, with special guests, actor James Naughton and S Social Venture Partners Executive Director Mark Gaugar. Signing off. Bye-bye.